Hello and welcome. Today we've got Matt Letissier, who is a big football legend in the UK who played for Southampton and then worked for Sky Sports for 15 years. And uh, Matt, you're probably uh, the, the the greatest penalty taker in Premier League football history. What, what do you think about that? <laughs> oh, you're cutting out. One of my specialities. Say, say that again. Sorry, you you cut out there. Oh, apologies. Yes, um, uh, penalties was one of my specialities. So I was uh, pretty proud of my record from the penalty spot. Absolutely, no, you should be. So, you know, how long was you at Southampton for? I believe you did finish there in two thousand and two. How long was you there for entirely? Was it sixteen uh, so years? I, I joined in 1985, straight from school. So I left school when I was 16 uh, and joined the football club um, on the youth training scheme, as it was back then. And, uh, and about 15 months later, uh, I signed my first professional contract. So I was a, a professional there for, for 16 years. Um, sorry, okay. everybody. We, we cut out there. We got very bad signal. So, so you were working for Sky Sports and uh, they fired you. Um, why don't you tell us about how that day came along and, and what happened? Sure, yeah. So after I retired from football in 2002, uh, I was doing a bit of freelance work in, uh, on television um, with uh, my football punditry. And then in 2005, I, I signed exclusively to Sky Sports. Uh, and I spent 15 years uh, working for them every Saturday in one of the most popular shows on the channel. Um, and then in 2020, when um, all, the, uh, all the COVID stuff started, so yeah, in, uh, I was the first person on Sky Sports to refuse to wear the Black Lives Matter badge after the George Floyd incident. Uh, and I don't think that went down uh, particularly well. Um, I wasn't happy to align myself with uh, that organization. Um, I'd had a look into it a little bit and I didn't kind of like what they stood for. So I refused to wear that badge. Uh, I, I offered to wear another badge, which, um, you know, an anti-racism badge, which is which was absolutely fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, and a couple of months after that, uh, I got uh, invited onto a Zoom call um, about a week before the start of the new football season. And uh, on that Zoom call, I was told that there was no longer any more work for me, and uh, and that I was being I was being sacked basically. Um, and so yeah, that was that was kind of the the long and short of it. And um, yeah, I, I think I was probably sacked for for not going along with the uh, with the government and mainstream media narrative. So how long were you how how long were you talking um, about your views, sharing your views on social media before they actually came to firing you? Uh, so I started sharing my views in um, probably in March of 2020, um, and I continued to do that. And um, in it was the end of August 2020 when uh, uh, when I was finally told that. Um, uh, they hadn't. They didn't have any more work for me. So this was long, way, way long before the the jab even came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Way before, uh, way before any vaccines had come out, I was already calling out the nonsense that, as I saw it, and uh, I don't think they were too pleased about it. So, if you had stayed on, um, and um, you know, would you have been forced to take the jab in order to keep your position? Uh, I'm, I, I don't think there was a uh, jab mandate in force at, at Sky, as far as I'm aware. Um, or, uh, um, I 
I wouldn't have thought. I didn't hear about it. I'm, I'm pretty sure if there was a mandate in place, I would have heard about it. So, uh, but it was just like anything else, you know, at, at football clubs. You know, at my my old football club at Southampton, the the coercion to take the jabs was pretty strong. You know, from the from the medical people, and um, yeah. So, uh, uh, it, although the mandates weren't in place, uh, they did everything they possibly could to try and get those jabs in you. And and what what was the reason for you? What, what what did you what about Black Lives Matter did you look into and and actually realize? Well, you know, or notice that you didn't really want to wear it, but you were definitely supported anti anti racism. Which which by the way, is a very good thing because saying Black Lives Matter or Jewish Lives Matter or anything like that actually is racist in itself. It's- that's <laughs> a, a very good point. Um, you know, I, I'd looked into what they stood for. Um, you know, they, they were looking to defund the police. They were looking to uh, to break up the nuclear family. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't uh, agree with all that kind of stuff. And this was the, you know, the, probably the, the bedrock of our society. Um, and I, I, I just wasn't. I had a bad feeling about it. Um, I, I listened to my gut uh, on those kind of things. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I was prepared to to stand up for, for what I believed in. So you know your bosses who got you know fired you from Sky Sports. How did that happen? Was that over a Zoom meeting? Was it face to face? No, it was you know it was a Zoom meeting after fifteen years of uh, service. Um, I was called onto a Zoom meeting under the pretext of talking about the upcoming season. Um, there was there was no uh, hint of. Uh, any uh, any skullduggery or any any trouble that was in store, uh, and when uh, the meeting started and I, I logged on, there was uh, not just the head of football at Sky on the call, um, there was another guy there who I'd never seen before. Um, and at that point, uh, I kind of got a bit suspicious and thought, okay, I think I know what's coming here. Uh, and it didn't take long for them to uh, introduce me to this guy. Um, it was obviously the legal guy. Um, and basically just said, um, we're really sorry, but there's no more work for you. And it, it, was, it was as simple as that after 15 years of, uh, of loyal service. Um, uh, and I responded uh, it, because I, I, I kind of wanted to know, really. Um, so I just asked him, uh, is this because of what I've been posting on social media? Uh, and he was a bit sheepish about his answer. And he just looked and he said, um, well, we, obviously, we do have to take into account the reputation of our company. Um, now, uh, just to put that into context, one of the other um, guys who was a, a football pundit on Sky uh, had actually um, spat at a young girl out the out of his car window uh, into the into the next car when there was when they were in traffic, and he was suspended for six months. Um, but after that six months, they took him back. Uh, and so I, uh, I just said to the guy, I said, "Oh, I said you didn't seem, you know, too bothered about the reputation of your company when you uh, re-employed somebody who was spitting the young children out of his car window." Um, and he was obviously uh, not very keen on talking about that, so he, he changed the subject very quickly. Said they're not allowed to talk about other people, uh, and that, that was it. And then we uh, we spoke about you know the the severance payment. Very sad, isn't it? When you've been there for 15 years and mm. they, 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 they talk about protecting their reputation and you've mm. just, they've just given back somebody else the job where they've done something really disgusting 
And you have just kindly and professionally shared your views. Um, how did that make you feel? Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty sad day to be honest. I was a bit disappointed in uh, in the way that they'd gone about it. Um, you know, uh, I think they could have perhaps shown a little bit more respect after you know fifteen years of service. Um, and I think they've done a pretty good job. Um, so yeah, it was it was frustrating and disappointing, but I don't uh, I, I don't bear grudges. Um, I actually feel like it was a blessing in disguise, given uh, how the company have turned out and the amount of uh, stick that they're getting, um, the amount of uh, people that are now no longer watching the show because of the decisions that they made, um, and uh, the way that the company has gone. Uh, I'm pretty pleased to be out of it quite frankly. So, uh, yeah, I don't bear grudges. I was disappointed in the way it was done, uh, no doubt about that. But, um, you know, I, I think, as I said, I think it was a blessing in disguise. Do you feel the senior team that fired you, do you feel that deep down they knew firing you was morally wrong because of your views, which we should be exercising freedom of speech? Um, do you think that deep down they know that this is, you know, this is wrong? Um, good question, actually. Do they deep down know? Um, I, I'd like to think that deep down they know, but um, at the same time, uh, I think there are people who are completely um, been taken over uh, and brainwashed by what they've heard on the television for the last few years um, and probably feel like they're doing the right thing. Um, and, you know, if that's the case, then then so be it. That's up to them. But I know that when I put my head on my pillow at night, uh, I sleep very soundly. When Before you got fired, did you discuss your views with any, you know, colleagues or any other footballers you may be speaking to? Um, yeah, uh, most of my colleagues uh, thought that I was um, a, a little bit mad, a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and a couple of them probably still do, uh, even given what we've uh, what we've seen happen over the last couple of years. So, um, but there are there are others that have have sent me messages of support privately, um, but but wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have done that publicly because they they're fearful for their jobs. And um, you know, it's it's a sad sad place to be in uh, in this world that we that people have to feel like they're inferior to their job just for stating an opinion. So many people for, you know, many people um, lose their jobs um, who share their views, such as doctors, they have their licenses stripped away from them and they cannot practice. They're being called conspiracy theorists, dangerous people. One of the people that I've interviewed was Dr. Northrup, who's been on the Oprah Winfrey show over 10 times. She's in her 70s and they've, they're trying to cancel her. Um, you know, we've got even... Um, you know, teachers, we've got other nurses, we've got yourself, um, and even uh, Kate Moss from CBS News, who I've interviewed, she's been with them for 12 years, and they fired her because she went off script in an interview with a doctor, and so they, they could discuss the uh, the numbers and statistics on, on, on the uh, deaths. So she got fired from that. Now, you see all this hierarchy control that seems to be consistent with firing people that share their views. 
who do you think's really behind all of this? It seems to be a group of people that seem to be consistent and agreeable to a bigger plan. Oh yeah, I mean it definitely seems that way. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's difficult to pinpoint any one individual, um, but uh, I certainly think when you look at what's happened in Davos over the over the last few days and some of the stuff that comes out of that um, that nonsense organisation. Um, you can pretty much see that all the stuff that they're they're trying to foist upon the world um, is very much in line with what's gone on. So uh, it, it does point the finger towards the people in that organisation, uh, the people at the top of that organisation. But even then, there are probably people above them who are uh, who are in control, and the and, and the World Economic Forum are probably just puppets for for even more powerful people. Mm-hmm. So how have you seen any corruption in football since you've been there since you know your whole life um i, I certainly haven't really seen corruption in football. I, I think it was probably one incident where uh, one of our one of our players our goalkeeper um was uh, actually um charged with throwing football matches with letting letting goals in basically in, in games um and that was kind of the only thing really that i can remember uh, that was controversial in any way in terms of, you know, the, the corruption in the game. You know, Kanye West said that, you know, he sold his soul for a happy or a crappy meal, he says. Um, and there's a lot of that going on in Hollywood with, with you know, with selling your soul. And and you see these bloodbaths um, in music videos, which are very, you know, satanic and little Nas. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one could say this is conspiracy theory, but actually... It's happening on MTV. We see these music videos. We see them speaking about these things. Um, What's it like becoming, what's it like for a footballer to get to the top? That makes me suspicious. Someone like, you know, someone, I don't want to say names, but people that are very big. what, what What have they needed to do to get that big? Well, that's a good question. I, I think there are some players who um, wouldn't have had to do much because they had so much ability that they were going to be spoken about uh, about the, being the best in the world. Um, I think for me, um, the, the stranger ones are the ones that, that get the highest profile in football without actually being um, a world class footballer, um, and they're the people. I think the ones that have you know the PR machines behind them. Um, that just, you know, you see their faces everywhere. They get the big advertising contracts and all that kind of stuff. Um, then I, I think they're the ones that are probably more suspicious to me than the uh, than the players who are actually the ones with the, the most ability in the world. So, for an example, Ronaldo is, is very, very big and he's very successful and he is a very good footballer. He's fantastic. Um, but... The other side of me thinks, what has he done to get so big? Now, obviously, you know, because you've got you've got his football side, but then you've got other aspects of his of his life, like the modeling and his clothing brand and, and other things where he's done really well as well. But on the other hand, he seems very conservative. He comes across to me as somebody who um would be awake to all of the corruption because he's conservative with his family values as well. You can see he's got old fashioned family values Um, and also his friends with Jordan Peterson, who is, you know, talking about 
how feminism is a bad thing and a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Um, what do you think about all of that? Um, I think it's really difficult to to judge uh, um, uh, each individual person on, on you know how awake they are or how corrupt they are. Um, unless you have evidence that you've seen with your own eyes, uh, it, it's all very well having having opinions. But unless you can back those opinions up with the fact that you've seen, um, that, then it's really really odd. I, I mean, I suspect uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. My my gut instinct would tell me that Cristiano Ronaldo probably isn't vaccinated. Um, given how professional he's been with looking after his body. Uh, I don't think he would have wanted to have put anything in his body that he didn't know what it was. Um, and he's been very, very strict about that during his life. Um, but, you know, then you, then you have got somebody like Jordan Peterson, who is um, incredibly intelligent um, uh, and yet um, still got vaccinated. Um, and, you know, I spoke to um, a friend of Jordan's, actually, um, Dr. Yad Sad. Uh, on my live stream on Getter last night, uh, and he also took one vaccine um, because he trusted uh, the medical people, his physician, um, uh, without really going to look into it himself. So uh, it's really difficult to know because there's no there's no one type of person. You can't say, oh, is the intelligent people are the ones that are, uh, have actually looked into it and, and didn't take the vaccine because they weren't sure about it. Because there was a lot of intelligent people who just took the word of of physicians, too trusting of people, um, and it's it's really difficult to try and work out who the good guys are. Mm, of course, absolutely. Do, do you think that we will see justice, um, you know, for what's happened? Because there are so many people that have been affected mm. by the vaccines. They've lost their jobs as well. Not only complications in their medical healths. But I saw one of your interviews and you mentioned how AstraZeneca has been silently banned because it's not safe. Why don't you tell us about your findings and the safetiness around these vaccines? Yeah, so the, the AstraZeneca was withdrawn here in the UK um, very quietly. Uh, no big announcement about it, but just withdrawn. Nobody, nobody ever gets the AstraZeneca over here anymore. It's not even spoken about. Um, and uh, and as I said, there was, there was no... Uh, announcement that this was happening just quietly withdrawn so nobody would kind of bat an eyelid at all the uh, at all the adverse reactions that there were um so and there was also the the incidents on which i tried highlighting of, of sports people that were collapsing on the field of play these young fit athletes all of a sudden um it, it became a regular occurrence when it wasn't beforehand and no matter how many times people try and tell you oh it's always happened um yes it did always happen but it's never happened on this scale before. And so I've been trying to, to highlight that over here in the UK. And uh, thankfully at the moment, um, I had confirmation from the doctor at the Football Association who, who said that um, the professional footballers now are no longer being advised to have any more boosters. Um, so, you know, that's a, a small step in the right direction. Do you feel like people in football, um, football players especially, have have they woken up in the last two years as to what's going on? Because not just football, but I've noticed, you know, a lot of people are now questioning the media, questioning yeah. the government. Do we trust this? Do we trust that? Do you find that there's a, a very big awakening in the, even in the football world? Uh, I think there's definitely awake, an awakening, not just in the football world. I think it's it's in the real world, um, you know, from conversations that I now have from from friends who thought I was mental two years ago. 
who had now actually come back to me and, and apologised um, for for thinking that I was <laughs> not quite all there, um, and and actually coming to me and saying, you know what, you were right. You know, there is something something not quite right about this. Uh, and now we've started seeing uh, in the communities, you know, the amount of people that are suffering with these adverse reactions, and they're trying to cover it up in any way, shape, or form they possibly can in the media. Um, uh, I think the latest. The latest uh, thing that was going to make you have a heart attack was eating too many eggs. Um, but there have been all sorts of ridiculous excuses that they've gone on to try to cover up for what is happening because too many people are seeing their loved ones and people in their circles of friends suffering really badly. And people are starting to put two and two together. And yeah, I do believe there is an awakening. I think I, I really see you holding a political uh, position. I think you would be great. Have you ever considered that? <laughs> uh, no, I've never considered it. In fact, I don't think I, um, I, I don't actually remember ever voting in an election. Uh, I've I've always had a pretty poor opinion of politicians. I've always felt like, in my gut, uh, I'd always felt like when I've seen them on the television, I didn't really trust them. Um, and most of them that rise to positions of high power uh, seem to me like they're only in it for themselves, and they're not in it for the people that they're meant to represent. So I, I don't really consider, wouldn't want to consider going into a system like that unless the system was radically overhauled. Um, and if that was the case and we could get rid of the way that politics is done in this country uh, with the two-party system, which basically um, it's giving you an illusion of choice because they're two cheeks of the same ass. Both main parties in our country um, are, are controlled by the same people. Um, and uh, they just give you an illusion of choice, an illusion of democracy, when we, we don't really have a choice here. Uh, and so unless that system is, is blown apart, uh, then I think it's pretty pointless trying to, uh, trying to get involved in it. I agree, 100% agree, um, because they control the elections. They put someone left and right, whoever that wins, they've, it's the same people. They're happy, you know, they've won. Um, yeah. Why, why do you believe the media, in your opinion, hate Trump? so much um, <laughs> that's a good question um I, I think because he calls them out for what they are uh, i think that's the that for me seems like the biggest reason um you know he's he, he coined uh, the phrase fake news which is you know obviously um become very popular and uh, and it and it resonated with people uh, and i think that a lot of people do now look at the media that we've got, the mainstream media, and they do look upon it as fake news. And I think they're absolutely right too. They they do not they do not report the news anymore. Um, unfortunately, I'm not even sure they they ever did, but I'm sure at one point they might have done. Um, but it's no longer they report the news. They 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 just tell you what to think now. They give you a, they've got an agenda. They they pull up stories that uh, that go along with that agenda, and they make you think a certain way. I mean, as an example, you know, Ukraine is probably one of the most corrupt countries in the world, um, and this is how powerful the media are within you know within a couple of weeks. Um, they they've managed to persuade everyone to uh, to think that you know not quite everyone, um, but a lot of the people that you know President Zelensky is a war hero. And uh, and you know we should all be flying Ukraine flags outside our house, um, and yet they, you know, years ago they were they were talking about it as one of the most corrupt countries in the world that were bombing its own people uh, in the Donbass area. So um, it's incredible how powerful the media are. Um, but I think as time goes on, more and more people are starting to see through it, and they're and they're concerned by this. 
absolutely. Um, it's uh, the media has a lot of power. You know, I always say that, and it's not only that; it's all of the media that they're controlled by Ofcom, and Ofcom is a Rockefeller or Rothschild, one of the two families that control control that. Um, and David Dyke once was interviewed on on London Real, and they they removed that. Um, you know, and they 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 were penalized for it. Um, so Trump, on the other hand, he he uh, made January um, anti-human trafficking and slavery month to spread awareness, which we never hear about in the mainstream media mm. because the people that control the media are the ones that are the traffickers. They are they do the trafficking. What do you think about the recent news that has come out with the child trafficking? And the satanic and the satanism going on in Balenciaga, and then we have Gucci's granddaughter, who's recently spoken out against these uh, claims as well. Um, I, I think it's uh, it's something that obviously the media try to turn a blind eye to, and only ever cover it when um, you know independent media and social media goes mad about it, and, and enough people make a fuss about it, and that's the only time that they want to get interested. So it seems to me that. Uh, they are quite the media are quite complicit in what's going on. Um, they don't cover the the child trafficking. Um, you know, they, they barely mentioned uh, the Ghislaine Maxwell, the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Barely ever mentioned. Um, uh, and I find it quite quite disgusting that um, you know they go through that whole thing of Ghislaine Maxwell uh, getting charged and put in prison, um, and and yet we have no idea. And nobody wants to name any names about who she sex trafficked those children to. And that, for me, is incredibly suspicious because that tells me, and common sense tells you, that the only reason that those names aren't being told to us um, is because these people are incredibly powerful and in charge of the media and who can who can silence the media and not cover uh, what's going on. It, it's, it's just common sense. When we try to explain this to our friends and family who are not fully aware of the corruption and they don't really understand how deep it is, because when, when you do find how deep it is, it's actually scary. You start to consider, you start to rethink, you know, this planet that I live on, is it, it, it I never, it's not the place that I thought it was. It's so bad, you yeah. know? So when you try to explain, uh, you know, who these people are and they say to you, well, why would they do this? Why would they lie? Why would they, you know, traffic children? For you know, what do you say to them? Um, uh, it's difficult because it, it, you're right. It is. It is such an awful thing to contemplate, um, and most people would rather not know about it and go ahead living their life, um, you know, in blissful ignorance. Um, and you know, and sometimes you actually think you actually think, blimey, I wish I could do that um, because it, life would be a lot easier. Uh, but there's there's something inside of us uh, that means that you know we we don't wish to live in a world where that is allowed to happen and everyone turns a blind eye to it. Um, and I think we just have to try and keep shining a light on it um, uh, and. Just make, just try and make people think. I think that's what I've been trying to do because facts don't really resonate with people anymore. When their when their feelings are involved, they they tend to ignore facts. Um, so I've tended to just now, instead of trying to to bamboozle them with facts, it is just try to encourage them to think for themselves and to just throw little questions in and ask them, well, why do you think that might happen? You know, what why, why do you think? 
why do you think he's doing that? And why do you think he's been arrested for that? Um, and just try, just try and get them to think for themselves because I think that's how I came to my realisation uh, because I was open-minded and I went looking for myself. Um, you know, I didn't just trust anybody that went, oh, this is, this is some bad stuff going on. I went and looked uh, for myself. And uh, I think that's the only way really that you kind of um, come to your, the realization that actually you're right. The, the world isn't as we've, uh, as we've been told it is. Absolutely. Now what, what a lot of people think that, you know, this is war against the people, you know, mm. the, you know, this, uh, the, the, what Trump calls it, the, the China virus, you know, because the deep state or the globalists or whatever you want to call them, they don't want to refer them. They, 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 they don't, you know, highlight China you know, um, because they have a lot of business dealings over there. So what do you think? What's the bigger picture behind this? Is is this to collapse? You know, some of, some people think it's to collapse the financial system um, or there's something bigger behind it or a new world order. You know, what are your views? Uh, my views are that it, it seems pretty, um, pretty set to me that this whole thing that has happened has been planned a long way in advance. Uh, I, I would suggest that. Uh, everything that I, I see has suggested that this has been planned way in advance. Uh, and from what I can gather, from what I see, my gut instinct tells me there is a group of people who feel like uh, the planet should be should be ruled by by one person or one organisation, uh, and not separate individual governments in each country. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that's a controversial opinion anymore. I think it's pretty much out in the open. I think we've We've heard several leaders um, uh, refer to the phrase the, the new world order, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. You, you had, you know, a couple of years ago that every single Western leader using the uh, the build back better phrase, you know, which was their little their little code word to mean, you know, I'm in the club. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm part of the plan. Uh, count me in for uh, for the new world order. Um, and it's just it, it common sense tells you. That that's that's what look, they're looking to do, but I think they're struggling. I think there's too many people uh, now awake to their plans, uh, and I really think that they're 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 losing the fight. I 100% agree that about that. A lot of people are really waking up. Um, you know, we've seen a few small victories here and there, small disclosures. Um, so, how do you see the future of football? Um, oh, it's a good question. Um, well, football, I think, will always be incredibly popular. It's always it's always been very tribal, certainly in this country. Um, uh, I would like to see the future of football one that would possibly be a bit more realistic in terms of um, in terms of what the what the players are paid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, I think giving those players, especially. Not not so much the 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 top world class players, you know, the ones that reach the very pinnacle. I think deserve you know all the money they can because they are the ones that the game gets marketed around, um, uh, and they deserve it. There's a lot of people underneath that who are uh, making a lot of money out of being very average at football, um, and I think that needs to stop um, because I think you're giving people. Um, uh, an overinflated uh, opinion of themselves. Uh, I think also giving young lads 
very young lads a lot of money very early is a recipe for disaster in their lives. Uh, and I think we've seen that. We see a sense of entitlement amongst these young players. You know, they've got all the money in the world. They can have whatever they want. And they and then they tend to, uh, you know, not always obey the rule of law um, and get themselves into into trouble. So there's a lot of things I would like to see changing. Will they happen? Um I don't know. I, I mean, I think there would have to be a massive sea change uh, of opinion at the top of these organisations like UEFA and FIFA, who, uh, again, are probably amongst the most corrupt organisations on the planet. Um, so it's difficult to see them shifting. I, I think the only way it happens is if those organisations get disbanded and we have a breakaway organisation that is is run a lot more ethically. The, the reason why I asked you, um, would, you know, that what do you think... Um what do you think will happen to the future of football is um, I, I saw one of your interviews and you mentioned that really rich people um, want to grab and buy these football teams. And it's not, it's no longer the boys game. It's uh, it's becoming a political arena. Um, yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell us about that and who these people are and what type of bad influence this could have um, in the future of football? Yeah. I mean, I, I think certainly in this country, um, one of the greatest things I think about about our system in this country is that we have we have relegation and we have promotion. You know, the the, the worst three teams in the division drop out and uh, and you get replaced every season. And there's a sense of jeopardy to it. And that's what makes it exciting. However, the more and more I see of uh, our football clubs being taken over by American owners um, who have no concept of this relegation situation, they don't think that that's a good idea. Uh, when they have a when they have a majority in there and you know they they've bought enough Premier League clubs. Um, I can see a time where they will try to get rid of relegation and and just keep it a closed shop, um, which I think would be probably one of the worst things that could happen to football in this country. I think there would be, um, uh, I, I think there would be a massive problem uh, for football in this country if they tried to do that. Do you think? How do you think this would impact um, the big players um, in football today? Um, I'm not sure it would it would impact the players too much at all. I, I think it would impact the fans um, more than the players. Uh, I think they're the ones that would be up in arms. The players, just, the players will just play football and get paid their money. Um, I don't think there's too many of them with um, big enough balls to stand up and make a, a and make a stand on but on the side of the people. Uh, quite frankly, I think they've shown that the last few years. Um, so I wouldn't hold out any hope for uh, any kind of player revolt going on. Um, and and sadly, that's the that's the reality of things today. Mm-hmm. It's so sad, you know, what's gone on with you with with your relationship with Sky Sports, and just to share your views, and we can't even exercise our, our freedom of speech. Um, mm-hmm. What 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 does your family think about this? Your your cousins and you know your, not only your immediate family but your extended family. Um, I, I think yeah, I think a couple of years ago, my a lot of my family were worried about me. Um, <laughs> uh, like, you know, like some of my friends were, they, they all thought I'd gone a bit mad. And, um, and you know, I wasn't towing the line and I wasn't following the, you know, what the government was saying. And um, But I think as time's gone by, more and more of them, have, um, uh, I've never fallen out uh, with anybody over this. Um, you know, I've always managed to maintain um, relationships amongst my closest friends and, and, my, and my family. Um, but I do know they were they were worried about me. But I do now know that 
um, a lot of them now are, are thinking, actually, um, you know, what he was saying a couple of years ago, I think he was right. Of course, yeah. I mean, you're a successful you know, person in general with everything you've achieved in, in your career in football and where you were at at Sky Sports. Um, you know, so didn't they look at you and think, well, actually, Matt must know something. We need to listen to him. You know, his opinion uh, predicts yeah. success. I think, uh, I, I think though, that the the difficulty with that was um, I might, there wasn't many voices like mine prepared to stand up and speak out. Uh, and I was being drowned out by the incessant propaganda on our television channels. Um, and it was, it was 24-7 COVID propaganda the whole way through, scaring the shit out of people um, for all their worth with their death figures and their, you know, this is how many people have caught COVID this week. And, um, and, and people, you know, people who couldn't see through that um, would obviously look at me uh, who, who could see through it uh, and look at me and they'll look at me and think, well, why aren't you being, why aren't you being brainwashed by the propaganda like we are? That's not what they'd be thinking, but they're thinking, why aren't you thinking the same things as we are? Um, and I, I understand that point of view. You know, I can understand why they got brainwashed. It was, it was incessant. It was uh, an unprecedented attack uh, on the human race, in my opinion, in terms of the fear propaganda that was pumped out and, and they're still trying it even to this day. Um, but as you say, more and more people are, are now turned off the mainstream media and, uh, and take no notice of them. Anymore. Do you think a lot of footballers, even the senior teams, um, speak behind the cameras and they're just really fed up with this propaganda about vaccines and health and COVID and, and everything that's going on? I think everybody, I think the entire the entire population is, um, quite frankly. It's, it's just been, uh, as I said, 24-7 just brainwashing people for so long. Um, and I spoke to, I played golf with a couple of Premier League footballers last summer um, and, and two of them both said to me, I think that there was only like 50% of the players in their squad that actually got vaccinated despite being heavily, heavily coerced into, into taking it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, Matt, it's been a great pleasure to speak with you, honestly. Um, I've got one more question and this question cool. is from my uncle, my uncle Simon. <laughs> His okay. name is uh, Simon Sava, and he's a very big football fan. Uh, he supports Liverpool, and he wanted me to ask you, um, why did why did you reject Liverpool when they offered you ten million? <laughs> they didn't offer me ten million pounds, uh, unfortunately. I mean, if they had have offered me ten million pounds in nineteen ninety one, ninety two, I mean that that might have even turned my head. Um, but no, they uh, uh, in yeah, it was I think it was nineteen ninety two, somewhere around then. Uh, they did make an inquiry, but I was I was happy where I was. You know, I was yeah. I, I loved my club. Um, I always felt like I owed Southampton something, and um, and so yeah, they they weren't the only ones I turned down. Tell him so. Don't don't feel don't feel too bad because there was also Spurs and Chelsea and teams like that. So you were very very ethical and loyal to you know and passionate about your club Southampton. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, they gave me my chance in football. You know, they gave me the, the opportunity for me to fulfil all my childhood dreams, which I which I did. And for that, I felt like I owed them something, and uh, and deserting them in their in their hour of need was not something that I was prepared to do. Yeah, of course. You you have to say you do come across very ethical person. It shows very much. Thank you, know. you mate. Yeah, I try my best. 
<laughs> um, Matt Letizia, it's been an absolute honor to speak with you today. Thank you very much for sharing all your views today. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say to the viewers before we finish? Um, yeah, I, I would like to uh, say to them, um, never give up hope. Uh, I think we're winning this fight um, and the world will end up being a better place because of people like us. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Matt. And we'll speak again very soon. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Nick.